This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. We never say anything terribly offensive, and I think we should change that. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because it's like I've been trying to like lay down fiery takes at times, and it's just like I'll be like, maybe that'll shake some apples off the trees this week. <laughs> you know, you know, you know whose fault this is. This is Rob McCarron's fault. As I'm talking coffee or cocoa is you loco, cash your credit for and let it at Sunoco. KMD in third base is just ace in the hole. I mean soul. So make the gas face. R.I.P. to MF Doom, formerly known as Zeb Love X from KMD, who passed away yesterday. Uh, Shake them ropes. New Year 2021. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino here. I saw MF Doom back in the day. Yeah, I saw him in Dallas. He was really, really great. I was he liked... doing a bit at the time where he, because you know he sometimes sends somebody else out under the mask. Oh, really? No, I, yeah, I, I feel pretty it. confident it was him. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about his gimmick. Um, no, uh, but he he was great. Um, he was he was Doom. He wasn't like Victor Vaughn. Uh, I big fan of MF Doom. I think. You probably are familiar with the Danger Doom collaboration involving Aqua yes. Teen Hunger Force. And, like, yes. that is just, to me, required listening. Like, it's a great hip-hop album. The beats are really tight. I, I like Aqua Teen Hunger Force a lot. So all of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force drops are, like, icing on the cake. And Doom's rhymes are really great on there. Big Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan. Uh, but, but the thing that killed me was, it was, like, uh, this MF Doom guy. Oh, yeah, that's the guy who used to be... Wait, he used to be Zev Love X? Wait, what? <laughs> the guy that I listened to on third base records when I was in high school? Yeah, okay, great. I, that blew my mind. I was like, because oddly enough, <laughs> Jeff Hawkins, the, the wonder bread kid that I am, my, my two hip-hop listens in high school were, of all things, third base, uh, I, I, had, I had stopped listening to NWA, but uh, Public Enemy, Big in Public Enemy. I just, and, and everybody just kind of looks at me and goes, you listen to Public Enemy? I go, yeah, I love Public Enemy. These are good groups. I liked uh, I liked the Roots a lot back in high school. I liked Cannibal Ox a lot back in high school. I liked pretty much anything that came out on Def Jokes Records. I've seen RJD2 live. Uh, I was very into RJD2 back in the day, and so anyone he would collaborate with, I'd be checking out their records. So Victor Vaughn was definitely one of those people, along with like Aesop Rock, Talib Kweli, all of that sort of hip hop. Uh, and it really sucks to see and read that MF Doom is gone. And it, it's just like one more blow in the year 2020 where there's just so much loss. I know everyone's like, oh man, I'm glad to see 2020 gone. Me too, but it. I still feel shell-shocked by just how rough this last year was. And it was fitting that on the last day of the year for such an awful year that one more person, one more awesome person was taken from the music world and just like culture writ large. Sucks, well, The man. wrestling world, I mean, it, and it didn't, it, the wrestling world did not have, was not, you know, immune to this, although... 
I don't think, I mean, it wasn't COVID either, much like MF Doom, but I mean, you had Road Warrior Animal, Pat Patterson, and then, you know, the subject of, of this week's show, which I was dreading, I almost passed on the week because I was just like, I don't want to, I really, I don't want to be the downer here, but it must be talked about. Jonathan Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper, as as we uh, stopped recording and, and uploaded last week uh, on December 26th, passed away of a previously undisclosed lung condition uh, at the age of, I believe, 41. Check me on that, Chris, real quick. So yeah, I'll no, I think he was 41, uh, right, right around the age of 40. But yes, uh, very, very young. Uh I was not familiar with this stuff pre-WWE, but CZW slash Chikara as Big Rig. Also uh, as uh, Huber Boy number two in the upstate New York Indies. Uh, a lot of my knowledge of him comes through my friendship with Chris Harrington, a.k.a. Mookie Ghana. Um, I, I did not personally know him. I never personally interacted with him, but I, I do want to tell a couple of stories real quick. Uh, before we go into his career, um, most of you who have been here since the beginning know that I never traveled for wrestling shows prior to this podcast. I, I was not a guy who thought it, you know, cool to go fly out to WrestleManias and stuff because WWE wasn't my thing. You know, my thing was Jim Crockett Promotions, then later maybe WCW. I, I did travel a little bit to ECW in the mid nineties up to Philadelphia, uh, I did, you know, frequent pro wrestling gorilla out here in Los Angeles, and I'd occasionally go to a show out here. But but it wasn't a thing for me to travel or anything like that and seek out wrestling necessarily. But when NXT did that first show in, Sac in Sacramento, when WrestleMania was up at the 49ers stadium in Santa Clara, uh, the listener... Uh, Damian Gonzalez came with me to NXT, but also so did uh, Chris Harrington and his wife Alyssa. Uh, I I knew I knew Mookie before uh, he was a wrestling fan as an improviser because we had met in Minnesota to talk wrestling. Actually, I, I remember plugging my show on the F4W board, and we met in Minnesota. He was an he's an improv geek too, and. So we met her in, I think, 2011 or 2012. And then when uh, when I was going up to NXT, he goes, hey, get grab me tickets if you can, because these were the in-demand tickets. So I bought four, and he and his wife came with me. And I was, I was raving about uh, Sasha Banks. And he's texting, he's texting uh, Luke Harper at the time. And I get an offer. He goes, uh, hey, if you want to meet her... Uh, my buddy's wife here is best friends with her. And, you know, I, I declined the offer because I'm not that guy. And I, you know, I think I was in my early 40s at the time. That just, it felt creepy to me. But to have a guy go out like that and go, hey, you want to meet her? He never had to do that for me. He never had to offer that for me. And and I think that comes out a lot in in just everybody's memories of him personally is that just what a, selfless guy willing to do favors for you. Now, the other memory I had, I went to WrestleMania 2018 in, in New Orleans and sat with Mookie and his wife again. And 
I, I remember we're watching, we're watching, we're watching, and then the uh, the three-way tag comes up with the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, and I believe the New Day were the other ones in that one. Don't quote me on that. I'm going from memory here. But before the match, he goes, he, he tells his wife, uh, yeah, I think uh, they're, give, they're giving them the, the tag titles. So I, I'm not watching the match. I'm watching Chris record the match on his phone with this grin on his face, kind of. And, I, and that was, I'm just watching that. And that to me is, is how I kind of, the prism I viewed John Huber's death was his, one of his best friends growing up in Rochester was, was Mookie, if you, if you don't know that. And, and so, <laughs> and, and Chris, you will, you will, uh, you will vouch for me here. When, when his death came after we went off the air on Saturday, I was in a panic because here's, here's another story that you weren't told after, after hearing of his death is that, Yes, they were keeping it a secret, including Mookie himself, since October. But they had kayfabed people in the re- some people in the wrestling journalism community, so to speak, uh, that Huber was going through something else, and that's why he wasn't on TV. And it got me scared for Mookie, because I consider Mookie... Look, you have certain levels of friends. You have guys you'll take a bullet for. And then you have the next level down, which is guys who will call you at 2 a.m. and ask to pick you up. That's the level friend for me that Mookie is to me. I, I, he's not a take-a-bullet friend, but he's on that next level. Whereas I think Mookie and, and, and Harper were on the take-a-bullet level. And so I was really worried about him because Mookie has had, uh, and he's been open about this, his brother-in-law committed suicide due to PTSD. And my fear was when I had heard the cause of death and because of the story that was going around, I was afraid Luke Harper had committed suicide. And so you hate to say it's a relief, but at the same time, it was just one of those things where I, I, I felt most for him and the outpouring of love that's been on his Twitter feed this week just made me smile. I, that, that was the way for me to follow, follow his death and and the celebration of life and as as talent came out more and more and told their stories it's it's hard to find somebody in any walk of life where it's just and i've had people like this in comedy a little bit where you know hey comedy's just the job i'm more concerned about my family and stuff like this but not a single bad or criticism about and mostly focusing on him the man and i think that's the way a tribute should be. I wasn't trying to make my his story about me necessarily. It was just the prism I was viewing his death in. But I absolutely adored all the tributes to him this week on social media. We'll get to the TV versions of it. But uh, preliminary thoughts from you, Chris, because I've been talking way too long here, and I apologize. No, it's all right. I, I think you probably have the more profound things to say about Huber's death. Uh, I saw Tony Nese who uh, notoriously has been a bit of a punching bag on the show. So I wanted to mention him here in, in a much more favorable light. Tony Nese commented that he hopes that someone is compiling all of the memorializations of John Huber by everyone who has been a colleague of him or an associate of him or has been met or touched with 
uh, touched with John Huber at some point in his life for his children, especially for not so much uh, his eight-year-old child, um, who had a wonderful experience this week here on AEW. And it seems like the after show was also really sweet as well, seeing uh, clips of Adam Page and uh, Nolan wrestling around and stuff. So, like, that's cool. But I think... <laughs> Um, his younger newborn son uh, will really benefit from seeing all of these memorializations of John Huber put together in a book. Um, it's obviously no substitute for having your father around, but uh, most people do not live their lives or conduct their lives in such a way where such a book would be possible to be compiled. Uh, I know I sure haven't. And I think just having that there um, is important. Uh, it's a symbol in its own way of real accolades and real accomplishments that matter. Professional wrestling is fake. All the titles are worked. Um, it, there's obviously some degree of accomplishment, but at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry with prop belts that are there for our amusement. But the way John Huber touched everyone's lives, the way John Huber took care of his family and loved his sons and his wife, that's real stuff. And to have that all in a book, um, I, I hope that that book gets made. Tony Nese is very much right about that. Here's the funny thing, and, and it just kind of hit me as you were talking so many times with celebrity deaths, we talk about their careers. We talk about what they did. We talk about the movies they made and how much we love their movies and how much we'll miss not seeing them again or anything like that. Virtually nothing about him as a wrestler in terms of just pure career is being talked about, but rather how he was as a person and Damn if I'm not blown away by that, Chris. <laughs> it's No, that to me is the remarkable thing of this entire week. We're very much in an era where, where you just... The premise of a book of how much and how positively you touched everybody's life um, for most people is... We couldn't write that book for you. No, and, and most of and there are a lot of people who I say that about, and they're probably what you consider generally decent people. I hope people don't think I'm some sort of monster, but there ain't going to be some sort of book of <laughs> wonderful memorializations of Chris Novabrito unanimously across the board. I imagine it's probably the same for you too. Like what Huber did there is to me Hold much on, me, more remarkable. Let me, cut you, let me cut you off before you go. Uh, if five people say something nice about me, I'll be lucky. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there'd have to be an annex of the shit list of Christopher Brito. Um, Ninety-five percent of, <laughs> of the stuff that will be said about me when I'm dead is probably not true in many ways, but it'll be what was perceived to be true about me in many ways. Uh, if anybody says anything other than "Who was that?", I'll be very shocked as well. Uh, yeah. I, I just love the I'm sure you're the same way as well no I, I, I see people coming out with the knives I see people coming out going alright you usually don't want to speak ill of the dead but in this case let's make an exception that's what well they won't have a chance because I'm going to be the one who does you know your eulogy and it's going to be it's going to be oh, wonderfully no. sweet it's going to oh, be great okay. 
Yeah, no, it's okay. it's gonna be it's and gonna be. Gonna get, and then you're gonna get heckled by some. How about somebody who really knew him? <laughs> Boy, if I don't know you by now, I might never know you. Oh God, uh, just, I just had a horrible flash forward to any any wake that I might have. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Continue with your point. I I don't know that I had a lot more. I mean, like I, I'm not, in terms of Huber's matches. Uh, I, obviously the the kind of trouncing of Cody Rhodes here this year was really memorable and was, you know, kind of like a nice little feather in his cap of this year. It's, it's weird to think of that as like his last great match. Um, and yeah, you know, like I, I, I always enjoyed a good Luke Harper match. Um, I, I, you know, the Bludgeon brothers, like, look, obviously the mallets were stupid as heck, but like Luke Harper and, you know, Eric Rowan were always a fun tag team, especially as they, you know, kind of really developed chemistry, uh, in their later era of the WWE. And some of those Bludgeon brothers matches were sneaky. Good. Despite an absolutely horrible gimmick. In, In terms of work, I think you and I will both agree that he was done dirty by WWE in many ways. Yes, yeah, he was uh, underutilized for sure. Underutilized, uh, done dirty is probably a little bit too harsh. Underutilized, He's an upper mid Carter, right? Like, but like, I, I think you could have done more with him in, for example, the Intercontinental Title run, where he had that really good ladder match with Dolph Ziggler. But I also don't think like Luke Harper is a WrestleMania main event type of character either. Yeah, I, I loved his work. As the exalted one, I thought he got to show off a lot more of his comedy chops because he has a great deadpan sense of humor in it. Uh, as much as I criticize the Vince Meta-ness of it, the stuff on BTE is pretty fantastic. In WWE, though, and this is what he wanted to be as a wrestler, so I don't mind that. I know other people complain about big men who don't work like big men, but he never... I was watching, I believe, a shoot interview of his where he's like, I like doing the dives. I like being athletic because I'm an athletic guy. And I think when you get one of those in a company, there's nothing wrong with that. I think for me, the disappointing thing was, of course, when he's in the Wyatt family and they're, they're having him cut the promo and he can't do a Southern accent, but he never claimed he could do a Southern accent. And then all of a sudden, that being the onus for slotting him in a certain space. Because I think he could have been bigger than he was. He got over by being a silent type without uh, saying anything. Well, he words. also got over by saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's very true. I, yeah, I, I think that was disappointing. I think Vince not liking his match against Dijakovic when he came back for that World's Collide show on a uh, Royal Rumble weekend. I just, I didn't understand that. I, I just, I, I think WWE is going to WWE. And it, it's, it's very odd that you look at a guy of that size, because again, we, we get kind of, we get kind of jaded on television, watching a guy of that size dive week after week after week without really appreciating what a what a feat that is for a man of that size and the toll it takes on his body. And this guy, he's he's one of the guys in that in that cannon of comes back from major injury, put him in a money in the bank match <laughs> or a ladder match to see how tough he is. And he always took it. And he took some brutal, brutal dives 
during some of those. Yeah, some of those ladder matches, he was always the workhorse. Yeah, he was frequently the workhorse. Always called upon to take like some really tough spots in those matches. Yeah, I think... Uh, uh, do we want to do the reaction by both companies to the death first, or do we want to do the Mitchell? Yeah, no, first? let's do let's do the reaction by both companies to the death. All right, I, this I is an gonna, interesting study in contrast. I'd say it's a very interesting study. Interesting study in contrast. I'm, I'm a little. I don't know. I I, I I'm very hard on WWE as is. I I I, I think I'm going to explain their mentality but I'm not necessarily going to trash them for it because I think we've trashed them enough. I d let's, let me get other things out of the way. I think they should have done a video package on it. I think it should have been on TV. I think they should have allowed his coworkers to say things on things other than talking raw or on the social media channels about him. I think it was a time where we didn't need to do stories in Canon necessarily. We could have taken that week off or we could have done, we think, the general perception, they could have done a lot more. Let's put it that way. They could have done a lot more. Now, given WWE's mindset that they don't like to make people depressed, and in the WWE quote-unquote universe, it's a lot like a comic book. If someone goes away, or if someone passes away, they're just no longer part of the story and can be brought back or retconned at any time, etc., etc. WWE did allow performers to do tribute moves on the show and depending on your point of view that was either mighty nice of them <laughs> and the least they or the least they could do you know what i'm saying there yeah because right no I, I, yeah, I think i'm on the least they could do sort of oh, side of this I I, i'm Chris not saying they need to do a 10 bell salute at no. the beginning of the show and i think i like put the shoe on the other foot like if a a person who had been appearing on, let's say, Impact Wrestling um, was now on WWE television and they passed away and they were like a mid-card level talent. You would not expect a 10-bell salute on Impact Wrestling. So I, 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 I don't expect that on the main show of WWE. But to your point, dude, like, yes, they absolutely should have put together some sort of video package. Uh, certainly Bray Wyatt. And not for the network, for the television. For the TV, viewers. yes. That's it should yes. have opened. I mean, consider some of the dumb things that they've put together extended video packages for, given ridiculous amounts of TV time for over the years here. Uh, to re recap or memorialize that horrible, atrocious 2020 skitlet. If that can get TV time, I think a memorialization of John Huber with some heartfelt words from Wyndham Rotunda in character, not necessarily in character as Bray Wyatt, but dressed up as Bray Wyatt and just like being himself and talking about it. <laughs> not uh, doing the Undertaker shtick of coming out. <laughs> Like, oh. it, uh, no, I, I think there's a way, yeah, absolutely to memorialize this stuff, have some people like Randy Orton, who worked several matches with Luke Harper, talk, just talk about what a great guy he is, open up the show, and then bring up the lights. Um, I, I mean, at the same time, like, I, I will say this, um, I don't think people should try to, like, overanalyze it and go, like, this is a very specific slight on Huber or Luke Harper, like, read too much into it, because Vince is, was not particularly intent on doing a deep tribute for Pat Patterson 
Um, although that being said, if Pat Patterson can get a week of television tributes when most people, well, he does have 50 and up pretty much locked down these days, but all the kids, they don't know who Pat Patterson is. Um, if you can get that kind of tribute for Pat Patterson, Huber should be getting something. Um, but it also tells well, the you the Patterson like, thing was more getting in certain digs at Patterson and also, ha ha ha, this is how he would have wanted to be, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 versus, yeah right. Yeah. He was management versus talent. And I think that had a lot to do with it. My thing but is, I'm, I'm saying he, this is this is a guy who is nominally at like in at least in terms of lip service, this was supposedly one of Vince's friends. What, Huber? Or no, Patterson. No, Patterson. Okay. I don't know that him. I'm guessing Huber and McMahon weren't very close, given the Mr. <laughs> Brody Lee. Yes, character. I don't think they were exchanging Christmas cards every year. Uh, <laughs> you don't I, think that was coming after this year's work? Um, uh, look, if a guy gives you eight years, I, uh, and I believe that's how long Huber was in the WWE system, I think I don't care if he's working for the other company. I don't care if you've built this fake-ass world around WWE where it's always smiles for people and nobody's ever sad. Like that stupid scene from Roger Rabbit where where Eddie breaks through the wall into cartoon land and everybody's singing and everything like that. I, think I was thinking of you, Cool World. That... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dude, don't, don't do me like that, man. I'm trying to stay on topic here. Uh... <laughs> I think it's, I think it's the thing, I don't, I don't, it's the right thing to do. I don't care if it's the nice thing to do, it's the right thing to do that a guy gave eight years of the prime of his life, schlepping around the country on airplanes all over the world, including getting trapped in Saudi Arabia. Uh, (laughs) The other thing too is it's not like WWE is a company that really cares deeply about preserving kayfabe. So like at bare minimum. Pre-show tribute, but I also think you can completely rationalize without violating kayfabe in any meaningful way. A memorialization somewhere at the one-hour mark on Raw or SmackDown or whatever. Just a quick one. Orton, Bray Wyatt, whoever, talking briefly about John Huber, the man. Um, And then you move on with the rest of the show. And here's how I will transition to AEW. All WWE quote-unquote tributes... They lack heart. They lack soul. They somewhat lack sincerity at times to me. To me, the their their version of the everybody coming out with the heads bowed and it, it feels perfunctory is the word that and, comes up. Performative, yes. like yeah, they they they're required to do it, so they're doing it. But like, yes, it's because Vince is not a very sentimental or heartfelt person. I, I mean. I'm guessing the emotional IQ between golf between Tony Khan and Vince McMahon is stunning. I'm not necessarily saying Tony Khan's like the most emotionally receptive guy, but like Vince McMahon's pretty much near the bottom. I will merely quantify it by saying I think the emotional IQ between Vince and the product he wants to put on TV has no emotional quotient. I think Vince is emotional about the people who help like you, you see him in that Undertaker interview, and I don't know I don't know if that was faked when he got broken up and he had to cut off the camera or not. But there are certain guys he will get emotional about. He won't get emotional about the help. He'll get emotional about his family, but he doesn't want his TV show to be emotional either. And I think that's a, it's a problem with pro wrestling right now is that people can't get emotionally invested in any ways. But 
going to something far more positive, I adored this AEW show. With the notable exception, and I will, I will also give an excuse for this, as I wrote you, I, I thought Chris Jericho was a bit of a negative, but I understand why Chris, what Chris Jericho was doing. Chris Jericho probably got notes, hey, this is going to be kind of a sad thing. We need some energy. And he was brought out there to do energy, and he tried. I think and there he, were times where it was hard for Jericho, and I could see him trying to work through where yes. he, he really was. Uh, they pull the camera away, you'd see the booth, and you'd see Jericho grimacing. So, like, he, he was working. Like this is not yes. this is not this is not the normal self indulgent Chris Jericho though I believe that person still very much exists. But this show, to me, is better than the Benoit tribute on WWE television, the Eddie tribute when Owen died, and it was a bunch of. No offense, nobody on that Owen show should have been on camera at that point because it was almost like the moment after they brought him back there. Oh, tell us how funny Owen was. It's like nobody's in the mood to tell you how funny Owen Hart was. This had heart. This had character. This had a word I don't use too often. It had credibility to it to me in terms of an actual tribute. It it, it had it love, felt- dude. Like you, it had you, love. There's a great t- word. Thank you're you. You're talking about uh, all the time, uh, like, why can't we invest in the product? And uh, yes, wrestling is about acrimony. It's about versus. It's about good guy versus bad guy. But such an important part of the formula to making a compelling wrestling product, a compelling comic book, th- th- these heroes' journeys that we go on every week is love. Lo- and this feeling of like, oh, I want to see this person succeed and like having it be earnest. Um, And one of the worst trends over the last decade is the ritualization of the this is awesome chant. Uh, there's like no way to actually feel real love on a wrestling show anymore. I, part of what made this show... This AEW show is so great, and like one of my favorite wrestling shows of the year 2020 is just like there was like real love, and I could feel it without any. There was also an absence of irony for a change, so I could feel love without any real sense of irony and feel the way that this person was unironically loved, and it was such a nice and cathartic feeling. No, you, you, I, God, that's great, Chris. <laughs> so, because that's encapsulating all these weird mixed emotions I have about it as I still continue to process. Like in the old Carney days, just to get historical Jeff here, the closest to me that wrestling ever came to this was that first Techwood Studios taping after Magnum TA had his accident. And everybody, babyface and heel, you know, they were just, hey... He's gonna get through this. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit too optimistic about it. Um, but like deaths have generally been treated, you know, kind of somberly, but usually, you know, a quick video package and we're on to the show. Or if you're Fritz von Eric, <laughs> you you sign things in your dead son's name and try to make a buck off of it. This is really where the new mentality of professional wrestling post kayfabe. As much as some people hate it no longer being kayfabe, this is where it works to its advantage. Everybody, there's not a soul who cared if this show was in canon or not. This was a show for Brody Jr. 
This was a show for him, booked for him, and also for his co-workers in the dark, I almost called the New Order, the Dark Order. <laughs> Everybody on the Dark Order won on this show that was on it. The other one was featured prominently standing next to Native One. That was Alan Angels, number five, I believe. You know, he got to be a part of the show by nailing MJF with the kendo stick, which was fantastic. I thought he was going to come off the top rope at first on MJF and to do that. You know, it, the, the somberness was treated with love. The show was treated with love. Everybody's fighting through tears, so you know that they're, they care about this stuff. Remsburg's pulling it together before the sub-main event. The cameo of Eric Redbeard was so damn fantastic and done the right way. And it wasn't about him. It was just about the people who loved him. And it was love all around. It was a celebration and a mourning thing at the same time. It, 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 was, it was references and spots from his old career, like the beginning of the Uno stew match where, where he gives the big boot is directly from, I believe a, uh, a Chikar match or a CCW match, uh, uh, with Kingston. Yeah. And I, it's this art form can do amazing things when it puts its mind to it. And I, am that's part of, so, I think what makes us so frustrated from week. Yes. It's like, it I is. still believe in this as a storytelling medium. And, this show on Wednesday only vindicates my belief that wrestling can still speak to emotions and real emotions in a way that we want and we desire. And I would even dare say at times we actually need. Kudos to Tony Khan for signing negative one. Or minus one or whatever no, we're No, no, he's negative one. He botched the name okay. there. Negative one. He's my new favorite wrestler. Uh, to signing him to an AEW contract. I want them to take care of the family. I hope everybody who has commented on, we're going to take care of you. I hope that's true. There have been times where it hasn't been true, but I'm hoping that's true. Uh, you know, if you watch the new year's party that the, I believe the company had a new year's party or at least a gathering and, a, and where I think that's where it was. And I think it was this year. I or maybe it was last year's that they're showing the video. Did you see these video clips that came up? Of yeah, yeah, like, no, I, I mentioned Nolan clotheslining. Yeah, the discus clothesline on Adam Page. That's great. Well, also on and also on Adam Cole. Oh, on Adam Cole. With Brit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, that's who it was. I, uh, sometimes I can't quite tell Adam Page. And I can't Adam get Cole. my L, trust me. I usually get Page from a distance. Yeah, yeah, like like on, on a shaky cam or whatever. They're close enough. All Adams look alike to you. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, there's a certain wrestler look that's kind of uh, ubiquitous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, you could see, despite everything, he was having the time of his life. I, I adored the unstagedness of the Ten Bell Salute, even where Negative One is fidgeting a bit at the whole thing. The little kid is covering his ears because it's way too loud for him. I go, 
That was such an honest moment. Yes. That I don't think Vince would ever allow on his television. He would be he would upset that the kid was covering his ears and he would oh, want he to reshoot that it. that kid from television for six months. That's what he would <laughs> And notify the mom immediately after Go your, out there and your lose. kid blew the spot. I don't care how old he is. He's going out there and losing to Lana tonight because he's dead. <laughs> Nia Jax is putting him through a table. Nia Jax is putting that kid through a table if he does that on, on that program. I, you know, all the I, the celebration of the Dark Order is such a it's such a weird story. I love, love, love. Is this maybe the best possible story for the Dark Order? It, it, like, it, it, uh, it's a redemption story Yes, now. yeah, like, like in a weird way, like these guys, like, <laughs> they were sort of meandering as a story. And like, I'm not saying, you know, you don't, there's just more, like, it. it it's awesome how this all works out. Like, I, like, am now rooting for all of these guys. And like, Cole Cabana yes. embracing his Dark Orderness. Um, it like in a weird way, there's been a fulfillment here. He's no longer conflicted about being part of Dark Order. He's extraordinarily proud to be part of Dark Order. Okay, go with it. I'm down. I'm so down. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. It's so weird to talk about wrestling in this time when they're when we're trying to memorialize life. But yes, they that this this babied everybody in there. I love that they. I. I, I the multiple person matches. Look, everybody had great matches up and down the board. Dude, the here. work Don't was you... really good on this show too. I like. And... It feels like an afterthought, but these matches were really good matches. It wasn't like a phone it in and let's all have a big hug at the end of the match sort of thing. Like they went out there to work their asses off as a form of catharsis. And like the... some people had the best matches of their AEW run. I'm looking it, at the, Anna the Jay. Art was, I'm looking the art at... was there because a lot of times great improvisational art, um, like great, like guitar solos, um, or really anything improvised can be done through pain. I think on comedy, Tignatoro, um, doing her big comedy special after getting her cancer diagnosis, something that is maybe not comedy, but like a very powerful piece of art inspired by pain. Like we got that in the ring for like two hours straight. Every one of these matches was good. Cabana looked like a million bucks. Tay Conti looked like a million bucks. Anna Jay looked like a million bucks. Everybody in the Dark Order looked like a million bucks. It was it was fantastic. But I keep I keep getting distracted from this point. I love that they let Native One book his dream match. I, I good lord, what a minimal thing you can do for a family is hey. His son's a wrestling fan. He'd like to see all his favorite wrestlers in one match. Screw your face-heel dynamics. So you have Preston Vance teaming with Cody Rhodes and Orange Cassidy, which is, that's not a six-person crew you'll see anywhere. And that match was so awesome. The aftermath was so awesome. Retiring the belt was so awesome. Again, the one thing I'm going to jump on is I know they had a run sheet. And I know they know what the out was. But Chris Jericho committing comedy homicide on Britt Baker's big rig joke. That's the only thing I can be angry about on this show because everybody saw this punchline coming. Everybody saw this punchline coming. And here's Jericho jumping the line. And I'm just like, I laughed afterwards. But at the moment, I'm like, did you really not see this coming, Mr. I took classes at the groundlings. 
come on, man. It is. It was very funny because it's the quintessentially Chris Jericho. The essence of Chris Jericho, in my opinion. And, 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 and the funny thing is, if, who, if, if Brody were still around, <laughs> because this was what I got from Oh, he would have like, thought this was very thinking, funny. Well, he would have he, he would have brought that up every time they met. So you're going to jump on my line tonight, Chris? You're going to jump on my joke tonight, Chris? That's the kind of sense of humor he had. From, from everything I've read about him. So there's a there's a tinge of irony there, but God God bless AEW, man. They they killed it here. And and I wish I wish the guys in WWE who loved him. Your Austin Creeds. Everybody who posted various things and, and who worked with him, your Bray I wish they had had this kind of catharsis and this kind of we're able to show this kind of level of love and genuineness on their TV show. That's, that's what makes me, that's what makes me hurt for them so much because it's one of those things where it's like my, my friend died, my coworker died. And the best I can do is wear an armband and maybe cut something for, for the Twitter yeah, and I can try to shoehorn a few references that'll maybe sneak by, but it tribute a tribute on WWE television's almost like a subversive act. And to your point, I don't understand why you know loved ones can't get their dream match booked if you've got a kid who loves wrestling. Um, and like that concept that we saw on Wednesday was novel. In a way that it absolutely shouldn't be for a company, WWE, that likes to tout that it puts smiles on faces. Like, it has these opportunities all the time, and it passes them up. Yes, keep his wife and their kids in your prayers if you're that kind. Because this is, this is the worst thing any of those three will ever go through in their lives. And... I'm happy they got this moment of happiness, but that's that's not going to be a cure. It's and not the same thing as having an amazing father yes. in your life for the next 35, 40 years. Um, and, like, don't – for as wonderful as all of this was this week, every single person who poured their heart into this week will tell you it is a soap impression of actually having the man John Huber – in these children and you know their mother's life um and like that god it busts me up man um yeah it just same yeah it busts me up <laughs> i'm having problems completing this segment but uh oh, in other news and somewhat tangential and we're going to talk about this because i feel we should yeah no let's do it bruce bruce mitchell columnist with pro wrestling torch let go after 30 years, after publishing a column. Criticizing. Hashtag just asking questions, Jeff. You know how I feel about questions. these type of people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to sum up this thing. Uh, I am friendly on Twitter with Bruce Mitchell, mostly through ACC basketball. I think this is... I, I do feel bad. I, I, I do feel... A lot of what's brought on himself, so I'm not I'm not going to defend the Bruce Mitchell column at all. I'm going to try and 
understand what he was trying to do, I guess. I don't know. Or the take he was taking or the angle he was taking. Not the content of the column itself. Because I think once you tick off the widow, it's time to apologize in some way or at least retract the column and not go elsewhere and try to explain yourself or hide behind journalistic integrity or whatever the hell it was that he was thinking here. We were struggling get... as to what the verb was for what we're trying to do here. And it's not working. rationalized. I, I want to make it abundantly working. clear. We're not rationalizing it. It even explains seems too generous. So I came up with the word finally. It's elaborates. We're, we're really only... trying to expand and elaborate yes. on what was being attempted um, and in yes. no way endorsing that viewpoint. I th- yeah. No, we're, I think we're trying to take the non-negative view of, of what he was trying to do while saying what he was doing was negative. In some ways, but to me, I, I, the only explanation I had for him doubling down is because of this new podcast venture with Conrad, which I think might be in some danger now. I don't know. I don't know what, what, why the inability to apologize was the issue, but I connect it to general mindset because Bruce is a guy very upset with wrestling for continuing to do shows in the COVID area, in the COVID era. And put people at risk. And I understand that thought. I think that is a genuine thought. I think that's a genuine concern. I think it's a good concern. But in... And I think he was somewhat trying to indict the wrestling community about these health-type things while trying to process the death. And I think he did it the completely wrong way. And I think he did a completely bad way in accusing people of covering for the actual cause which I will also somewhat temper because remember people were being worked by people in AEW. So as this, so the actual reason would not get out. That's the only, only thing, but I don't know if Bruce was being worked. So I can't give that excuse. to Yeah. I I don't know. I I will say, uh, I think that perhaps a, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm just simply suggest I'm not, I'm not even asking a question here. I'm suggesting that I believe this is the case. I think a re-examination of the way kayfabing is done to wrestling press um, might be of merit here so that you don't have another emotionally bad incident like this. Um, Or, like, you know, just... You and I were, like, this is obviously sort of innocuous, but, like, you and I were speculating about Huber's return to AEW television in the month of December here. Um, You know, having, you know... I think there's a way of kind of disseminating a hush to the wrestling press, if that makes sense. I think there's a sweet spot I think there's here. that. Yeah, I think there's that. I think there's, hey, maybe not come out with this column hours after the guy's death until you know what the hell's going on. Well, that gets, to, the, the that gets to another point, um, which is I think that F4W, or I'm sorry, not F4W, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch here as an organization uh, should have also had a hush order um, on Huber and hashtag just asking question type of articles, perhaps forever, but at absolute minimum for 72 hours after the death. I think that, I think, I believe Sean Radikin was the editor who put this up and he later apologized for it after briefly defending it. I, I get the brief defense, but at least, at least he recanted at some point, but neither him nor Wade or nor whoever, because Bruce has such stature. I don't think they really processed this article in terms of the content. I think they edited it probably for grammar and punctuation, 
But I don't think they processed what was in this thing. It's like this is speculation that was largely baseless. I, I mean, like that that yes. to me is the 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 malpractice here is like this is and it wasn't necessarily being published clearly. I actually don't think publishing it clearly as an opinion article lets it off the hook here. But it was being published in like the weird gray space that so much quote unquote wrestling journalism is allowed to occupy, which is somewhere between reportage and opinion commentary. It it's the now is not the time to have a bigger discussion about all of this. Oh yeah, it's uh, not. Yeah, all, no, it's it is. Not. Yeah, like what what could possibly have been, like, if you're someone like myself who thinks that, you know, maybe there are real questions about wrestling in the COVID era. One, I see nothing to connect this story to that. Uh, I'll be completely clear. It's by everything I've seen, the lung condition that uh, John Huber was suffering from was not COVID-related, and unless and until we see anything to the other contrary, I don't think it's responsible at all to speculate on that matter. On that matter. But, like, beyond that, um, if... if what would initiating that conversation the day of the announcement of John Huber's passing possibly accomplish? That's some clickbait crap. It is. And, and to me, Mitchell Mitchell is such a revered opinion columnist in this business. And even if you don't like him, you got to admit, 30 years doing this, that, that's a hell of a run, even, it means, even if it is. It means in, something. It's, it, it's just free. Uh, it's horrible for him to like basically crash the plate into the ground after 30 years. And it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, it Torch and, and, and Figure Four slash Wrestling Observer were the, are the two columns, pillars of quote-unquote wrestling journalism, although, as Chris and I discussed pre-show, it's a lot about wrestling journalism. And I say this as someone who considers people like Sean Ross Sapp and even Dave Meltzer as friends, or at least I can talk to Dave. I, I, I consider Sean a little bit closer to me, but you know, there are, there's a little bit of working to the wrestling media game in terms of, and, and even I go so far as this because I have sources. I have people I talk to in the business and I don't say, what they tell me. I use that to form my opinions from time to time, but I don't report them. I don't out them. I don't narc on them. I don't, and I don't report these things as fact. If they tell me, don't say anything about this. Yeah. So that, that's certain- the other, I mean, I don't get, I, I have not gotten a ton of tips um, in the past, but like, for example, at one point, and this is not like a surprise to anyone, but at one point I was doing captioning and that captioning involved a very prominent wrestling company. You connect the dots here. Um, so I would be getting, you know, information of what was coming up on the show. And like, there's a, a responsible even opinion commentator knows how to use that information in such a way that does not burn their sources. Um, like, And that is, if you want to get into like academic study of journalism and stuff, that is the sort of stuff that you would be getting in a journalism ethics class. And I would hope that people in this community who want to put on the journalist hat or the journalist name tag or whatever would be mindful of that and cognizant of that and that we'd have a, we'd have a relationship I'm going to rapport with sources such that they would feel confident that like stupid stuff like that would not occur. Yeah. I just, I, I was baffled as I watched the blowback start and then the response to the blow, but it's always the response to the blowback that makes it worse. It, it always is. And it was just, it was tone deaf to me and I felt bad about it. 
but you couldn't talk him down off of it either. So it was one of those situations where it's like, I can't interject here and save you from yourself right now. You have to decide this, Bruce. And he just, I, I, I don't know. I, it was, it, it was sad. That, no, it's, it was, it's sad. Um, it's far less of a tragedy than John Huber. Trust me. No, no, it's no, a like, tragedy like, in like, its, it's own sad right. in this sense that like, it's weird to see someone light themselves on fire, so to speak. Um, and, and it's sort of symptomatic of a broader problem that I see culturally where people are really unable to admit that they're wrong. Um, and people don't see the value in admitting that they're wrong. Um, and, and part of it is the backlash to like the shame circus that like, a, like people have gotten into the shame mob and that sort of thing. But there's times where all of us prominent people as well are wrong. Um, and it, perhaps is bad that we've been seeing on our TV screens on a regular basis, people being really publicly wrong and never admitting it and, and starting to osmose into people. Um, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to go like, you know what? I said that now I've thought about some other things and my opinion has changed. Um, people need to be willing to hear that message and people need to be willing to say that message earnestly. And if you're so driven by your cause that you do, <laughs> that you take the wrong tact, it still makes you wrong. And I, I, I still want to believe that this is just a bigger part of trying to, trying to be critical of the entire industry for running in the COVID era. But I, I just can't. I, I can't. want to believe that, but I've read that article and I just, if that argument is there, it is generously a secondary or tertiary yes. argument. Or he forgot to argue it. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I said if, I, it, and I and I prefaced it further with generously. All right. Well, uh, I have one more. This all I got now is WWE. Well, yeah, stuff, no. Like, so let's, well. let's talk some uh, WWE stuff because we talked about uh, a great show. I like. I mean, look, it, it's sort of. It's unfair in a certain way to judge WWE's television by the standard that you judge AEW's TV this week. A, a classic show. Uh, I mean, like, like li literally an all-time classic show um, in wrestling. I, I, you know, looking back, I think that that John Huber tribute show will be uh, in the 2010 decade. One of the shows that I would recommend people go and watch if I was making a list of 10 shows to watch from the 2010 decade. Um, it, I mean, it was a great show. Just fantastic. It's also, like, as we've talked about now, too, like, the Dark Order won every match. And we got a fantasy match booked where 10 was tagging with Orange Cassidy and Cody Rhodes. Like, it also was not wrestling in terms of a booked long-form thing. So, one thing I was mindful of in an effort to be somewhat fair in my analysis this week is I watched NXT before I watched AEW. And NXT was good. It wasn't a bad show. Uh, let me let me complete the news real quick because it's just the one piece of WWE news, and we we can go to NXT or we can go to the main roster. I sure. don't the NXT is stronger to me than than the main roster. I, no way, you don't say. <laughs> uh, WWE has filed trademarks for the names Nash Carter, Wesley, <laughs> Wesley. Uh, Jeez, that has to be the rascals. I hope. Uh, she's we, she gun. Why not just Shogun? Let's just do that. And Tian Shah, as well as Hardy Bros. So I guess this is going to be a thing. Um, yeah, it looks like they're going uh, all in on uh, some of the Asian talent, or at least they're rebranding them in some way. I'm 
fine with that as long as it's not. I, I mean, it looks like a more serious presentation of Zia Lee and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but, uh, Boa. Boa. Yeah, Boa. I, I was going to say Boa. I just, I and like, probably Boa. Karen yeah. Q. If, if, if Karen, uh, what was the name that they had previously? Karen Kwong or something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. That they had trademarked. So, like, yeah, I, I'm I mean, cool with that. I, I, I'm fine Party with Bros it. is death. Hardy Bros is effing death. And I no, just, I, I mean, you can just see in the presentation here. Vince and everyone around has been told, the way you write these two guys is as the annoying dudes who even annoy their pot dealer. Like, they, they, they are the world's most annoying stoners without ever really fully mentioning stonerous stuff. Um, in a way... I'm not going to lie. It is amusing to listen to Riddle and Jeff Hardy talk about anything. And I'd prefer like, like them talking about like physics, like really kind of profound stuff and like Hardy trying to fake his way through it. Uh, but it is what it is. Like y- you knew what you were getting with Matt Riddle and you know what you're getting with Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Uh, the main roster will be easy to get out of the way so we can do all that. Now on raw, all, the heels win and Alexa wants to be set on fire and Keith Lee continues to, struggle i should, the alexa segment was just so it's like, like if, if this is randy orton he'd light her on fire and walk away that's, <laughs> that's that's the randy orton character maybe not randy orton the person he wouldn't he's a viper he's a bit of a sociopath and then they try to humanize him i just i i hated this raw show i no, just this is, this is awful just, this is this is a terrible show yeah <laughs> i, I, I so have the no less comment on said it. the better SmackDown slightly better, you know. I'm I'm done with squabbling tag teams. Uh, I'm done with. I, I thought, God, if you really want to build up Bianca Belair, that hair spot was stupid. I gotta be honest with you. I I loved everybody in this match, but you know, and then giving uh, Reginald all <laughs> Reginald <laughs> who like had a- like this signature spot that he nearly screwed up for himself it still looked pretty bad uh, I, I I don't get why Reginald has to do all these cartwheels and <laughs> jumping around and stuff like you know, it's I so laughed weird. At, I, <laughs> I laughed at the three amigos post uh, post match spot with Otis Daniel and uh, and Gable uh Billy Kay is a is a damn treasure, and I won't have anybody say anything about that. If you've watched her on Talking Smack this week, she was absolutely fantastic again. It's unrepentant stupidity. On That's kind of how that I feel about himself. the Brian and Otis and Gable stuff too. Like like that was unrepentantly stupid. It was fun. Now I got I got to talk about this. The Street Profit segment. <sighs> Jeff, I hated this. I hated this. Andrew Dawkins talks about the curse of greatness. That is not the curse that he has when he sits behind the drum kit. Uh, that is a different type of curse. Um, <laughs> and is it the curse of Keith Moon? What is it? <laughs> no, no, it ain't that either, man. <laughs> it, it's a curse, though. Um, so they're out there, and they're being absolutely obnoxious on every single level. And then eventually out comes Ziggler and Rude, and they beat up Dawkins and uh, Montez Ford. And then they go to the back, and without any sense of irony, uh, the Dashabot back there goes, Man, you just completely attacked uh, the Street Profits. And it was, and the word was unprovoked. Jeff? That was not an unprovoked attack. That word does not mean what you think it means. You keep using it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a very much provoked. There, there is no greater provocation than whatever the street. And then they were doubled doing. down on talking smack with 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 Heyman saying, 
Well, I thought it was unprovoked as well, but it was effective. No, if you're talking crap about a guy, that's pr- provocation. <laughs> they were making an open mockery of them. Yeah, like, like Ziggler's an idiot. He wants to be heartbreak kid. I'm going to be the most obnoxious guy in the world. Nina, Nina, Nina. How dare you hit me in the face? <laughs> Come on. I like the tougher image of Robert Roode here. Yeah, I, I don't like. I like dogs I like or whatever do- they I are. Like yeah. The dirty dogs. The raw is it dirty dogs or raw dogs? No, no, remember. no. Raw oh, dogs are over dogs. it. Don't worry about the government <laughs> supporting the show for a buck a show at patreon.com slash DWATG. Bing. That's that's they're not the jackalopes. They're not the jackalopes. Uh, <laughs> the jackalopes are over here repping our man Slapjack. <laughs> okay. Uh but as for this the Zig but the Ziggler Rude team has no credibility. No, they, have, they 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 don't. It's they're they're guys here for the fifty fifty, and everybody sees it. And I'm just like, oh, I I'd love this team normally if this were 1988. But this, I don't. If this now. was a double turn, would have been amazing. But it's emblematic of the problems of WWE that they write this segment and don't realize that essentially what they've done is written a double turn here. Corbin walking out on Zane did nothing. Zane did nothing for me, but I did enjoy <laughs> during the Sonya walkthrough. And once again, Sonya Deville's taste in fashion is fantastic. I don't care what anybody says. I love the suit on her. She's got I love like that star quality about her, man. She really does. I love that Brody Lee used to mock her style by getting the same suit on AEW. I don't know if you saw that one. I that did see that one. That's funny. Oh, that was great. But uh, and also the the visual gag of. Billy Kay giving her headshot and resume to Corbin and the and the dopey knights was funny to me. Just a, just as a silent gag in the background. Can I, we I, call I them just, the Forgotten Knights. The Forgotten Knights. Uh, is it the uh, the Knights of the Sons of the Knights of the Forgotten <laughs> Table? Yes, the Knights of the Forgotten Table. I yeah. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, yeah, the the one the only thing that really got got my ire up a little was that that dumb Bianca Belair putting her hair underneath where the tag rope and the and the bottom rope was to try and get a tag. I'm just like, no, no, don't make her look dumb like that. Give her. <laughs> I don't mind if she uses the hair as a weapon because that's part of the character. Even though she's a baby face, also like really using the hair as a way of extending your reach is kind of heelish. At its core. Yes. Like, yes. that would make you know, perfect I... sense for her and Sasha working as a heel team where Bianca is using her hair. And, like, then the baby face is like, hey, how is that legal? Blah, blah, blah. And they use the distraction and take advantage of that. It's like if you had Miz come out with an arm attached to a pole and he was trying to make the tag. It is essentially that. what it is, right? Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. an arm attached to a pole. It's hair. <laughs> hey, hey, this is, yeah, and that's, this is you know, part that of my body. About, that's just about as good as the explanation for giving him back the briefcase, which is ridiculous. A, a deus ex machina that we don't need because nobody cares if Miz is the champ. Oh, I, and I then just, what is this crap with Adam Pierce and like his weird relationship with Roman Reigns? Because I am not interested whatsoever in Roman Reigns is pulling the strings on Adam Pierce. It's that, and it's the the friendship of Pierce and KO. So I think that's what it is, and he's gonna force Pierce to screw KO in some ways. I am, I am done with KO getting beat up every week. 
and not having any friends to help this him. This was the worst I'm, one, though, because, like, he should have, I guess, massacred and, like, kind of stretcher-jobbed Jay Uso here. And instead what you got is, like, a weird split, 50-50 booking of a spot here where Kevin Owens beats up Jay Uso, who's handcuffed or whatever, but then gets stupid baby face syndrome and continues to, like, uncuff and recuff Jay Uso and move him around. Jay Uso, meanwhile, is being forsaken by Roman Reigns, but not forever. And then when Roman shows up, Jay Uso is not conflicted whatsoever. It's, oh, thank God Roman Reigns, my cousin, is finally here. Um, or not even finally. Just thank God Roman Reigns, my cousin, is here right in the nick of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the baby face who continues to persevere. I, but you can't be a moron about it. This could be good, right? Be I fight for my yes. family. Like, the contrast of what fighting for your family means. The prize fighter. Yes. Oh, oh, you, oh, oh my God. You just hit right on the head. The, the whole dichotomy of I'm fighting to be the head of the table of my family and take care of my family versus Kevin Owens, I'm taking care of my family. That is such a perfect story, Chris. Continue. It, Sorry. It's so simple. Like, and, and that's my frustration with this is like, we got to Samoify it and you talk about your tribal chief and main event, Jey Uso. And the, another stupid thing from this opening segment was like, Roman Reigns going, and now, Jay, you're having great matches. Oh, good, the art's finally good. You're not making any money, kid, but the art's good. That's the story of my life. Like, that, that's nothing. That's nothing, especially when Roman Reigns turns around later on in the promo and says, I don't need your slammies. I'm making all the money, and I'm winning matches, and I've got the belts. Like... It would He's work. insulting the company. How dare he? It would like, work uh... if it was illustrative and like they actually kind of illustrated the tension that like Roman Reigns is spinning one moralism for Jay Uso and meanwhile preaching a completely different morality for himself. But they don't even do that. There's just like no noting of like these two completely contrary moralities existing at the same time. Here's my fear right now with this Roman story because I figure Roman is never going to lose a match. Until no, it's at least until Royal Man- or WrestleMania. At least until WrestleMania, and I think he's going to destroy Daniel Bryan at some point as well. But I think the plan here is to keep him like this until Roman, until Heyman brings back Brock, and then Brock destroys Roman, and then we're supposed to, then we're supposed to cheer for Roman all of a sudden. I, I I just don't know with this progression if that's true. Oh, I can totally I, see Vince only... thinking that this is a compelling babyface story, though. Like, no, no, what you're saying, it sounds like kind of incoherent, but through the WWE lens, I can totally see Vince thinking that, like, oh, so now Roman's going to be fighting for his family because he's the head of the table. People will love that. Except that, like, there'll be no earning of this sympathy. There will be... Going I'm back not saying Uso's going to turn either. I think Uso will probably be aligned with Heyman and Brock at some yeah, point. Yeah, so right, right. Yeah, maybe the, both the Usos, maybe. Will someone turn. has to lose. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. No, both the Usos will be aligned with Brock as the great betrayal. But going back to what we were talking about earlier, where's the love? What exactly about Roman Reigns right now can I even pivot into love at this point? The whole point of this story right now is that Roman Reigns' love is what he is calling love is not love. Yes. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. That's what Jay Uso says every week. But he is having great matches now. 
NXT, this is about a 50-50 show for me. Uh, there are some things I am... <laughs> am I am most angry, Chris, that the week before the blow-off to this feud, we finally get the origin video of Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez's <laughs> feud. <laughs> we're denied the Twin Towers tag team that they apparently were in the coconut loop on TV to establish this whole, this is the story they should have been telling for two and a half months, three months, and we get it the week before the showdown. Are you kidding me? You can't have love lost if I never knew there was love, and you're telling me after the fact that there is currently no love. I did not experience loss. Loss requires an A point and a B point, a starting point of love, and then the losing of that love. If we started hate, they just don't like each other. I am here for Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez as a tag team destroying, like, King Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Yeah. And killing, killing, uh... Dakota uh, Kai and uh, I actually Tegan Knox and Dakota not, not Kai. Not Dakota Kai necessarily. I kind of I kind of dig. No, Kai. but Who's imagine if Knox and Kai. Shotzi. Imagine if Knox and Kai were still baby faces. Them going up against Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez for over a series of matches would have been a yes. lot of fun. Yes, to have seen. yes, especially though. Yes, especially those two if they were still the. Is it, we're team kick hooray? Yeah, yeah, right. No, them killed. going up against Ripley and Gonzalez would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been a lot and of fun. Then, and then you have those two go over and challenge Nia and Shayna or Bailey and Sasha during that time. Whatever you want to do, man. I, oh, I wanted this, Chris. This is unfair to me as a viewer that now I have to watch and, and take this emotional journey and like. I, I want these two, the, yeah. The I want these two minutes. big, you know, behemoths like doing tandem moves and tossing around their smaller, undersized opponents. I'm into that. I want them to be the skyscrapers yeah. of NXT. You know, the here's Sid and Spivey or Mark Callis or Mike Enos or wh whichever version of the skyscrapers you want. You know, the Twin Towers, if you want that, the natural disasters of the NXT, whatever whatever giant team you, you care for here. The Masters giant of the Powerbomb, Vader and Sid Vicious. Oh, don't, let's not do that. Well, what, <laughs> Vader is one of the stronger tag team partners that Sid ever had. I'm trying to make Sid as good as possible here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to elevate everyone around me. That's what 2021 is all about. <laughs> Swerve Scott opens the show a week after his heel turn and gets beat by Bronson Reed. My God. What? what? I what? know. I know. I know. The heelification. Uh, I know this is preaching to the choir for pretty much everyone who's listening to this. But think about this, guys. Turn it heel. It, you're supposed to discover a new trove of tactics that are available to you that can baffle your opponents involving cheating. Um, which you should be able to use to get the unfair advantage. So Swerve Scott absolutely should have defeated Bronson Reed. And instead, he's now just like a goober. Or you just put a geek out there to get beat by Bronson Reed. And that's how you reintroduce him after his former losing streak. Aren't you? I, I just, I Swerve can't. should be toying around with geeks, too. Uh, I mean, like, it should be like a week before these two touch. Um, And then at that point, if you want to have... Swerve go over Bronson. That's fine, and you're not necessarily. You can start a feud off of that, or like you know, you get, like there's a number of ways to go here. Uh, Leon Ruff getting the uh, rough rough treatment here, as it were. I thought he had a good match, but I just think 
Yeah. He, I, 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 I mean, he's a guy. Like, look, I, I, I don't. I'm not impressed by him. I was I was going to say nice words, but like here's the reality: he's undersized. Um, his undersized underdog spots compared to other undersized underdogs that we have seen over the last decade are at best middle of the pack. I'd argue slightly below average. Um, Leon Ruff, it's unfortunate and horrible for this guy as an individual that he was used as a punchline by people running this company. But like he is simply not ready to be North American champion and arguably probably could benefit from six to eight months of being off TV. And the last negative thing I'll put in there before we get to the positives. I love the theory of Lucha House Party and uh, El Legado del Fantasma or whatever they're called. But this, you don't have any credibility with the Lucha House Party. After, after killing them on TV, you'll give them a one-week push occasionally against Miz. You'll have them go after the 24-7 title. They uh, they're even the ripping on that in, the- in that promo, like where Lindsay Dorado's yes. like, it's nice to not have to be chasing around a title. Like, this feels like a God. demotion. This feels like a demotion, and it feels like we need an eighth team for the Dusty Classic. Now let's stick the Lucha House Party in there. They can have a good match. Not a great match, because, hey, we don't want to overshadow people. And they're going to lose to these guys. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm. I think the Dusty Classic will be cool. I, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Dusty Classic. There's plenty of tag teams. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, yeah. You talk about Grand Model League and Lindsay Dorado, too. I, 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 to your point, I don't think they'll get eliminated the first round. I also think in that first round, they'll have a really fun matchup. I think <laughs> Lindsay Dorado's tone, <laughs> he is an underrated good promo. He's not like an excellent promo or anything, but like, Lindsay's actually pretty good on the microphone. And I, I just liked the. <laughs> sort of taking a pot shot at the company toad of like nice to not have to be chasing a belt around here and you know saying you know making a reference to doing lucha things and you know, kind of ribbing on the fact that like these guys are much better wrestlers than the treatment that they get on the show mercedes martinez winning in a in a squash hell yes that was fun i enjoyed that Bill squash oh loved this love mercedes want her to oh i want her to be a cornerstone of this women's division if she never gets called up because <laughs> I could see Vince looking at Mercedes and she looks weird. I don't want to see her. And I'm just like, screw you. She's the, she's she's just badass. And I love some badasses. So give me some more Mercedes Martinez killing some people on her way. Yeah, she to just Io looks Shirai. tough. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, you, the limb distribution is what it is. But, like, here's the thing. I believe that those, like, arms and those clubbing blows from Mercedes Martinez mean business because those arms are legit. Yeah, I, I was more looking at the, the tattoos. But, yeah, no, I agree with you on that as well. Um, the the strong done match was fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for what it was. Yeah, I mean, I, this is just hard-hitting grappling stuff. This I is the thing it. that NXT keeps delivering on a fairly regular basis that is a reason to, at least, if you're not watching anything else, one, I think the Gargano stuff's much funnier than people are giving it credit for. Um, I think, like, there's more hits than misses. I, I enjoyed Jody's like, unrepented stupidity of being terrified about curses. Uh, yes, but, yeah, yes. Like, no, I, he, he does comedy real well. No, I just, it's, it's I funny. I want to be my like, baby yeah. face. He shouldn't be a heel. No, um, th- this faction yeah, this faction is quickly moving. They're a bad heel faction because they're doing too much funny, but it doesn't make the on-screen entertainment unentertaining. It's just like, I also, I do enjoy that he has stupid heel syndrome. 
instead of having stupid mm-hmm. baby face syndrome. Like, I don't mind when heels are stupid. Um, it's part of the reason yes. they need to cheat. They're supposed to be knuckleheads in yeah. some way. Yeah, and like, like uh, and, yeah, I, I Johnny being delusional I, I some... and unmoored from reality and thinking about all these curses is funny. And, and the Finn Kyle O'Reilly showdown, I love that too. Yeah, that was cool. I, that's just that's just that's the that's the uh, go home for the big match, and I'm here for it. And I think Kyle's gonna win. I think I, I think Roddy and Adam are gonna turn on him at the finals of the Dusty Classic or something. I don't know. I I think Kyle O'Reilly's gonna be separated from this group somehow, but I am here for that match. So. I think if any if he wins, I think everything's fine in the immediate. But I think a betrayal occurs at some point. Lingering, yeah, there will be lingering hostilities over Adam Cole not being the alpha dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think cool I don't think that. he'll be able. I'm cool to with hold that it. as a as a slow burn. If they do that as a slow burn, it'll be fantastic because Roddy's always kind of been the bad lieutenant of the crew. Adam Cole's always kind of been that flare guy. It, they could do this, and I'll give you I'll give you a corollary. When Sting helped Flair against the JTEX Corporation circa, was it 89 in WCW? And then the next time around, Flair kicked Sting out of the horseman and said, no, you got, you got to relinquish the match. You know, don't be a stupid. I'm going to buy you t- that kind of, that kind of feeling, that kind of heat with it, where the rest of the Undisputed Era is like, hey, you're not being a team player, Kyle O'Reilly, even though Kyle O'Reilly has done nothing wrong. I am. I am fine with that as a slow burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Cole kind of like ribbon O'Reilly about, oh, I gotta give me a match, man. Hey, man, you know when I'm gonna get my title back? Yeah, just yes. The Apollo, the Apollo Cruz thing from SmackDown, but done in a good way instead of that way. I, w- okay, I, here's the thing that they're doing over there on SmackDown uh, that I'm not very fond of, which is this like smile, fake, laughy thing. Um, and it's like a running thing with like Big E and the Street Profits kind of do it. And now Apollo's doing it. And I, I'm not a fan. It's weird. I think we'll end it there. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can now follow Chris at his new, or actually, uh, it's, I it's, guess it's, just it's revitalized, yeah. revitalized Twitter handle, D-W-A-T-G. Yeah. It's a little harder to remember than Chris Novembrino, Chris. I'm just saying. I, I'm not going to oh, You, you say that. Okay. So, like, one, people have a hard time spelling no. Always had a hard time spelling it's Novembrino. It's just a joke. It's just a joke, no, Chris. No, I, you know what? I, I'm not actually, like, distressed here, dude. I, <laughs> like, but, but for years, man, I've been getting Novembrino. Um, or I, I will occasionally get people going, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that to me as though, like, my name is, like, my name is Novembrino, which, for those of you who have not looked at a calendar, is actually strikingly similar to the 11th month of the year, and thus is a word that comes out of almost every English speaker's mouth at some point in the year with some degree of frequency, so you get some practice well, you, well, with it. Chris, you, Chris, in their defense, you have to admit, Chris Decembrino is much more fun than Chris Novembrino. You know there are Decembrinos. There are Decembrinos. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, there are Decembrinos. Yes. Um, so, like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with I used you to call you. I used to call you, I used to think your Twitter handle was Dr. Nov every time I was doing these reads. <laughs> I kept screwing it up for the first three I, you know, weeks. I, I like Dr. Nov. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to do, a, after the Kiss episode, I want to do a cover of Calling Dr. Love only it's calling dr nov um but yeah now i'm exclusively over at 
DWATG, which is my other show. Don't worry about the government. I, like, did people have asked why I deleted it? I'll tell you right here. Like, I, I'm just not any good at managing more than one account, um, as evidenced by at DWATG's sort of cobweb status over the last uh, multiple months here. And you know, I'm, I just like, I see no point in having lots of different portals. The other thing is, uh, and this is another thing that's been been kind of brought to my attention is people only will follow you at one place anyways. So if you're trying to like, you know, actually kind of manage followers and someone who's trying to, you know, do on air stuff or whatever, which helps with like booking guests and that sort of thing. It makes sense to have the people at where the product's at. And my product is don't worry about the government, which you can find at DWATG. Yes. That was a problem with the shake them ropes account. When Rob went back and forth and went to a personal account, but I understand if you just want to not deal with either of us, I just want to know when the show drops, stupid. Um, it's, and I mean stupid me, not stupid you. You know, cut, cut the stupid comedy and, and whatever Chris is doing with the music and stuff. No, if you just want to That's not happening. Show, That's not happening. <laughs> Free yourself Not on DWATG? No more music? Okay. Oh, no, there's going to be music. Sorry. No, we're, this show was never going to be liberated from the music or the stupid comedy. I think oh, it, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, just, I, just meant your, I just meant your account. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can follow at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. Make sure to listen to other shows on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, including the flagship, everything elite, music on the mat, uh, open open the voice gate. Uh, you know, the five-star match game that just came out is fantastic. Uh, I can't plug that more enough. But anyways, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough year. Thank you for continuing with us through 2020 into 2021. At least for now, we're still sticking around. So uh, we hope you continue to uh, stay with us. And we'll see you next week. I had.